Welcome to the latest episode of Lipstick Coffee Jesus. I'm Sean. I'm Vanity. And we are here with another exciting episode. So we are currently in the month of April, and this is Poetry Appreciation Month. And so we have something a little different for you today. So today we are going to talk about, um, well, not just today, but throughout the month, we are going to share some poets that we love and some poems that we love and we'll talk about those. And in addition to that, we have some exciting things coming up for the month of April. But before we do that, let's talk about what we're drinking. So tonight or this afternoon, whichever one you want to say, since it's kind of light outside and it's not dark yet, um, I had Isn't She Lovely today. And actually, I'll share with what I paired it with. So one of my favorite things to um, drink my coffee with is the Bailey's brand of creamers. So I have Isn't She Lovely, and I made it kind of stronger with a strong brew. And then I paired it with uh, Bailey's Vanilla Cream. So, Vanity, what are you drinking? So I have Blueberry Buckle. Um, as you may or may not know, because we've been in the house because of quarantine, I've been baking everything. <laughs> so, unfortunately, well, fortunately, but unfortunately, I've been eating a lot of sweets, and that's just like a perfect light tea that goes with well with cookies. You can pair it with cake. Um, it goes well with cinnamon rolls. It just <laughs> it it just it goes well with a lot. So that's what I'm drinking today. But hopefully next week I'll have a different story about how I ate some more salad or something because it's getting a little out of control. Yeah, so actually, um, I did not say that, but I I baked some banana bread today, and that is why I was drinking Isn't She Lovely? Because, as you said, it pairs nicely with a dessert. So um, I have not been baking like you have, though I will probably go to town on a Resurrection Sunday since, you know, it's a day to celebrate. But that is, (laughs) I didn't say why I had Isn't She Lovely, but that was really why. Girl, it's been a whole situation, but yes, <laughs> Rona 15, Lord, keep it away from me. Oh, but Lord, anyway, <laughs> anyway, let's not get off topic. Yeah, so, so. let's um talk about um our poets. So did you want to go first or would you like me to go first? So I will go first and I will talk about, first I'll talk about my poetry facts because I did, actually didn't even know that it was National Black Poetry Appreciation Month, which is kind of sad because poetry has had such a profound like effect in my life. But, and then also the days have kind of been running together. But that's another topic. <laughs> <laughs> when I went to look, I saw these a bunch of facts and I said, oh, these are interesting. So the first one is, is that the earliest form of poetry predates written language. Um, mm. they, it was sung or recited to help people remember genealogy, laws, and oral history. Come on, mnemonic devices. Yes. I love that. Go ahead. Yes. Um, the word poetry is actually um, derived from a Greek t- term, poesis, which means making. So I said, oh, okay. Mm. And one of the oldest, poetry is one of the oldest forms of communication dating back to prehistoric times with hunting poetry in Africa and ancient Egypt, which they never teach us that in schools. So I just thought that was nice that it dates back to our roots in Africa. The oldest 
surviving epic poem is the Epic of Gil- Gilgamesh, and that's it dates from the third millennium BC in Sumer, which of course is now Iraq. Yes. And the longest poem in the world is the Mahabharata, which is an Indian epic poem and that's from fourth century bc or earlier and the poem has about 1.8 million words oh my goodness yes i i don't i remember learning that in school but i don't think i've ever read that in its entirety that's just a whole lot as they would say now that's doing the absolute most so anyways those are my poetry facts and actually, the poem that I chose to read today, I was kind of torn between quite a few because just looking back over my life, I literally could find a poem that reminds me of a specific time in my life, especially when I was in like my teenage years. I, I really was big and heavy into poetry. So there's certain things that I could literally pinpoint to certain life events. But the one I chose was I Too, which is Langston Hughes. And I'm going to read it first, and then I'll explain kind of why I chose this particular um, poem. So... It says, I too sing America. I am the darker brother. They send me to eat in the kitchen when company comes. But I laugh and eat well and grow strong. Tomorrow I'll be at the table when company comes. Nobody will dare say to me, eat in the kitchen then. Besides, they'll see how beautiful I am and be ashamed. I too am America. And so I picked that poem, one, because I distinctly remember growing up, especially being that I was a lot of times the only minority um, in a lot of situations. And I distinctly remember, particularly in my English course, um, when we started to learn about different authors and poets and things like that. One, there wasn't a lot of African Americans highlighted. And two, when we did highlight them, say, for instance, Toni Morrison, who has a very strong narrative about the Black experience, a lot of times that portion of her writing was dismissed, the part that really highlighted the African-American experience. Like they would talk about her literate, the literary aspects of her work, but not the, the racial portion. So just that this to me, I remember reading this and remember feeling like a lot of times feeling like I was dismissed or feeling like I was overlooked. But then the end, it had the, the optimistic end saying, you know, that when company comes, no one will dismiss me then. And then they'll, I'll be seen and they'll feel bad about how I was treated. Um, so, and that was, especially growing up, that was something I, that really resonated with me. And still to this day, in certain circumstances, that, that same situation happened. So that's why I picked that particular poem. I absolutely love that. That is absolutely beautiful. Just hearing that reminds me of, and I'm going to go a little left with this, <laughs> but I referenced Trick Daddy's song, America. Oh my goodness. And <laughs> I know, like what? I told you, I'm going to go a little left. It, but basically, Trick Daddy said the same thing, just not as eloquently as Langston Hughes did, where it's like, you're in this country, you know, you make all these contributions to society and still you're not looked at 
as an equal. And, you know, Langston Hughes back then having to say, hey, I'm still, you know, part of America. I mean, that's really deep. You know what I'm saying? And then Mm -hmm. you have Trip Daddy years later saying the same thing. And then here we are today. We're in the middle of this whole coronavirus pandemic. And, you know, before on social media, it was say, you know, the most ignorant thing ever, that Black people are immune to the coronavirus. And I was, you know, heard early in the stages, but then now mm-hmm. we're finding out that African-American males, no less, are the ones who are dying at higher rates. And I don't think that we're dying at higher rates just because, I mean, there's so many things that go into that. Um, it's, I'm sure diet probably plays a portion of that, uh, as we all know, pre-existing conditions do. So like heart disease, diabetes, you know, asthma, I'm sure all of these things are taken into account. And then if you look at the areas where um, African-American men are dying higher, it's in these areas where healthcare is not as prevalent or mm-hmm. as easily accessible. And, you know, probably in areas where you have to make a decision. Am I going to go to the doctor and run up all these bills or am I going to choose to feed my family? But then, in essence, if they pass away, it's just like, was it worth it? Because you had to make the decision, the best decision that you needed at that time. And so it just reflects, you know, that poem is still applicable back then as it is today, because it feels like we have said it before in another episode that things have not necessarily progressed nor changed much. That's my take. Yeah. And not to get off on this whole coronavirus tangent, but I did actually saw a clip on Instagram and it was Dr. Fauci talking about how coronavirus is affecting the African-American community. And he said it wasn't that we were getting infected at a higher rate than other races, but that this particular illness, the same way that other illnesses do, just heighten the disparity between access to health care and pre-existing conditions within our community. And so what happens is people, African-Americans, get coronavirus. And then what happens is this is on top of the diabetes, on top of the asthma, on top of being obese and, you know, all the other health issues and challenges that um, uh, that have historically plagued our communities. And then you, on top of that, talk about the wealth disparity and the access to health care and the access to medicine. And so it's just a lose-lose situation that where other races are recovering than we have African-Americans who are dying. And he said something that was so profound that coronavirus is going to pass. Like this is going to pass, but those same issues, that same, the inequality of health access, those same pre-existing conditions that plague our community are still going to be there. And so that's something that after all this is over, we still are going to have to examine, okay, how can we provide health care to these underprivileged and disadvantaged communities, because that's still going to be a problem whether once coronavirus leaves or doesn't become as much of a pandemic or an issue as it is right now. So not to go on a tangent, but I mean, I literally saw that today. Yeah, no, I I don't think that it's a a tangent. Um, Like I said, it's very applicable to today where it just puts you back in the realization that, you know, we have progressed, but not by much. Are you going to uh, post your poem online or post the poems online? 
Sure. Yeah. Once you talk about yours as well, we can make sure both of those are posted on our page. Okay, cool. Well, okay. So I have a story behind mine and then I'll go into like the author. So I will start with my story. So my story is a couple years ago. No, I won't start there. Where will I start? I will start with, I have a group of girlfriends at work and for the last eight years, we have been um, going to lunch, if not monthly, every other month. And we celebrate each other's birthdays. We celebrate each other's highs, lows, like all of those things, um, accomplishments, like whatever it is, the five of us go out um, together. So um, it's five of us. It's myself, my friend Ayana, my friend Chantel, my friend Monica, and my friend Sean. So there's two Seans in the group, me and her. And a couple years ago, she uh, bought me two books of poetry. She knew uh, she knew at that time that I loved to read and she thought that these two poetry books would be great because I was going through like a rough period. And I was a little taken aback. I was like, huh, that's weird. And the books are called Her and Him. And the author is actually a local um, author. I'm sorry, that was wrong. He's not local. He's in Florida. But his name is Pierre Alex Jonsi. And he is the founder of Gentlemanhood, and he is the CEO of Jonas Publishing. He's Haitian-American. He's an author, poet, influencer. And he focuses on poetically sharing his journey, lessons, and mistakes along the paths of manhood and love. And his two books are absolutely outstanding. And they are literally like these short little poems, but they mean so much. And so when my friend Sean um, bought this book for me and I took it home, I didn't read it when we were in a restaurant, but I took it home and I started to read it. And I said, this is absolutely amazing. So that's the backstory of my poems. And I'm actually going to read a couple because like I said, they are super, super um, short, but they're absolutely meaningful. <clears throat> Another thing is that none of these poems have titles. So you're not able to look it up by title or anything like that, but you can kind of describe what they're saying. So I'm going to start with this first one. It says, Dear Black Girl, your skin is a beautiful place to live in. Your hair is grass from the heavens, and your shape is a beautiful sculpture. You are not magic. Magic is only an illusion. You are more than a miracle. You are an unexpected blessing. I love that one. Oh, that's nice. Some, some black girl affirmation. Which love is, it. Which is nice coming from a man because it's more like black woman appreciation, which we don't see highlighted enough, especially not in literature. Yes. And, and so, you know, like the whole uh, hashtag black girl magic thing is out there. And I, I do. I love the hashtag black girl magic. But the fact that he said you are not magic because magic is an illusion. I said, come on here, sir. Snap, snap, snap. Listen, <laughs> I'm going to be Harry Houdini and reality, okay? <laughs> uh -uh. I'm going to keep my hashtag. I'm going to be real and an illusion, okay? Dreams and reality. We do all of the above. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. So here's keep the next. going. I keep have going. a couple. So here's the next one. Love this one, too. It says, you're priceless, not a dime. Never exchange yourself for dollars. You are far more than a diva. Therefore, don't wrestle with the idea of being a good woman in this life and then settle for being the bad chick. I said, oh, okay, 
Love that one. If you thirst for a love that will drown out all of the doubts growing in your soul and the fear vacationing in your mind, you must never settle for someone who lacks passion in their eyes when they stare at you. She has had plenty of men willing to give her the world, but none who are willing to make her their world. So she waits. And my last one, I want to say that this is my last one. She's far from the devil that they've claimed that she is. They acted as Lucifer while, she de while demanding that she give them heaven. Heaven was made for angels. It's not a good home for those who resemble fallen ones. And that is the one that took me through some days. It just had me reflect back on, you know, the different relationships because in many times men will blame sour relationships on the women. Mm -hmm. um, and they'll put a connotation out there saying, well, she did this, she did that. And it's just like, wait a second, what did you do in order to cause that reaction? So for him to understand from a man's perspective that women aren't necessarily what, you know, you say that they are, like there is a reason behind the way that she reacts. Um, and then the fact that he says heaven was made for angels. It's not a good home for those who resemble fallen ones. Love it. That spoke to my soul, honey. So, well, go ahead. Maybe we'll have to try and get him on the show. I would really. It's very interesting. I'm I'm intrigued by all these poems. So it, maybe maybe we'll great. maybe we'll try and get him on the show at a later time. I would love that. And he has a whole book for men. So it's not just. So this one, the one that I read from today, was so, called "Her." Mm -hmm. The other one is called "Him," and that one is dedicated um, to men. And it just like, like he says in his bio, it's about him sharing his manhood, how he got to where he was and the thinking that he is all through poetry. I love it. I am looking forward as I kind of hinted to earlier um, in our intro, I'm actually looking forward to our next guest, which I won't, um, you know, talk about, we'll keep it a secret, but um, our next guest is really heavily into poetry and I, I've listened to many of her works. She travels all around the DMV area. She hails from Chicago. And a lot of her works are kind of like this. Like they're, they're short, they're heavy hitting, but they mean so much. And she has a friend who's a master poet in Alexandria. And she does work similar um, mm -hmm. to this, to um, Pierre Alex. And I'm telling you, it just, I, I love the fact that we are being recognized now to a certain extent for the works that we do. Like you, um, like you said in, in your intro to your poetry, um, that before we had all of this written down, like it was all verbal and it just mm -hmm. takes us back to, to slavery. You know what I'm saying? Where they weren't able to write down their feelings. They weren't able to write down the things that were going on and the things that were in the depths of their souls, but they were able to carry it on through music and through poetry and the fact that we're able to read, you know, the hearts of these people through their literary works. Absolutely amazing. So this poetry awareness month, so necessary. Yeah. And I think it's important too, because for the longest time, when we think of classical and literary merit, I just remember growing up and being in English class and studying those works and none, it was nobody who looked like us who quote unquote had merit. And so what I do like now is that you're starting to see these different 
forms of artistic expression which are being recognized and being produced so that other people have the opportunity to see these imprints on culture and see these other thought processes when we go through things as a society. So you have them on record and understand there's a whole world that other people live that we wouldn't before necessarily have access to or recognize that voice. And I think that especially now with everything that's going on, it's really important to recognize those other voices besides the quote unquote classical ones or the quote unquote ones of merit. Um, it's just really important to really view that those artistic expressions and I, and you're starting to see that in the arts, not just in literature, but in music and dance um, and actual visual art. You're starting to see more and more that people are branching outside of what the norm is to really view other people's expression and it's so necessary especially right now while we're like stuck at home where people are kind of isolated to really be able to capture people's thoughts people's feelings and have this time in history that will someday be talked about in history books to know that there's things like this where there's probably there's going to be somebody who's drawing about this there's someone writing a song I've already seen like a bunch of they're like little dumb songs but it's still uh, what coronavirus it, right. by Cardi B no I wasn't talking <laughs> about that particular one but just in general there's some sort of artistic expression on record that reflects this time and so it's just really important because the arts as much as we try and cut funding from school and I'm not going to go on a tangent about that but these are the things that keep us connected just as humans we might not always agree on musical taste or, you know, artistic taste, but music and the arts are, it connects us and it kind of bridges uh, the gap for a lot of differences. So it just is important, especially now um, as, as we are in this this quarantine season of our lives where we cannot physically touch one another, but we can still, one, express ourselves and two, still connect through the same expression or having some of those similar feelings or similar thoughts. So it's, it's just really important. I think it's interesting that you pointed out like the fact that people don't take the arts um, seriously. So I, I think part of it does happen to play a part or, or, or where someone lives plays a role and whether that's important. So for example, my, my children's school, I actually was on a call earlier today and they were checking in with the parents to see you know, what the parents needed. They were preparing all the parents who have not been doing distance learning so far uh, about what that looks like. Well, my youngest child, since that Friday that they got out of school, he has been doing distance learning. I'm seeing uh, very often that many parents weren't necessarily going through that because they weren't prepared. Uh, but within that conversation, they actually had the, the band teacher and the music director um, on the same call to answer any questions that they have. And even though that is considered a special or it's considered, you know, something that's not a core class, um, they actually are continuing to make sure that music is integrated in this virtual learning experience. And so 
um, they will actually be posting homework and lessons or what have you. And my son, he's still been playing all his instruments, all the different ones that he plays during this time. So we've continued to make sure that he plays and practices. But I thought that it was great that in the midst of people being concerned about science, math, English, you know, those different things, that they still felt the need to make sure that children were able to express themselves and to continue to practice music um, through this time, because it is it is foundational for those who may not be an author or children who may who aren't an artist where they actually paint or for someone who does not sing. You know, what different outlets do they have during this time? And music surely is one of them. Um, so I thought it was really great that they thought to do that. But then it also shows, as you said earlier, the, the disparity based on where you live. Some of these other children, because of their location or their school district, may not even have access to Wi-Fi, don't have access to computers. And so if you're if they're worried about computers and having access, surely they're not worried about a music or arts program. So this is one of those things that I was, you know, have an appreciation for now. And that's why I mentioned the per the expansion of what is the arts, because before it was you're only classically trained and that's it. So you're doing, you know, if you're in art class, you're doing the standard, you know, learn about the standard type of painters and things. If you're, you sing, then you're only learning about classical music. And then, you know, you might throw in some jazz or a little bit of Broadway, whatever. Um, if you're an instrumentalist, then you're only learning, you know, your Bach, your Beethoven and all the, your stand, that standard repertoire that they have for each arts medium. And so now it's, I think it's important because not everyone gets to have access to ballet. Not everyone gets to have access to playing, being a quote unquote classically trained musician, but with say like YouTube or the kids on the street who can spit, um, that's still artistic. And so trying, so it's just good that we're one, not excluding somebody because their artistic expression is different. And it took me a really long time to get to that mindset because I was raised in that old school, like this is the arts mentality. A lot of times some of those other uh, forms of like say dance and theater and music and all that, it was kind of dismissed. And so I was like, oh, what are they doing? But there really is an art and a science behind even street performing, um, rap, like rapping and all that. So it's just a matter of if kids have those talents, finding a way to hone it so that they still have a way to express themselves. A graffiti artist is just as bomb as the person who, you know, does like something that looks like, you know, Picasso or something like that. You know what I mean? I just, I remember like when Kobe Bryant died, all those art murals and stuff that we let, we saw pop up, that stuff was awesome. But, you know, and not everybody went to art school for that. It's just, you know, a lot of those people are like self-taught. And so it's just making sure that you find the beauty in the other expressions because a lot of times that makes a difference when you have, you do something and it's a little different than what people are quote unquote used to. And it's not validated that, but that's, that's a whole nother conversation. So even in this conversation, I would say my, even my thinking has been challenged and it started actually before, but now that I'm feeling a little guilty, if you would. So when I was trying to pick 
which poem or which work of art I was going to discuss today, the ones that, so the ones that I love from the book, Her, they're absolutely great. And like I said, they kind of got me through a time period where I absolutely needed that, you know, to kind of lean on in addition to some passages in the Bible. But what I actually was going to talk about or start with for this month was uh, actually lyrics from one of Jay-Z's songs. Looking from the outside in, one would say, oh, well, lyrics don't necessarily classify as poetry. However, I beg to differ. They absolutely do. It just happens that this poetry is put to music. Now, it's rhymes over a beat. (laughs) <laughs> that's exactly what it, it is really... now i will say some of this other stuff that is happening oh, okay. like a uh, takashi 69 okay no we're not gonna talk about mumble NBA rap young boy and all this other stuff not, right we're not talking about mumble rap i'm talking not about poetry. old school like stuff that actually has some substance to it um that's what i'm referring to Yes. So I pulled out um two books um the wu-tang manual by the uh by the rizza and then Jay-Z Decoded. Um, I wanted to see if, I had re- uh, read Jay-Z Decoded in a long time, but, uh, but what both books do is they take some of the most famous songs that they have and they go through and they talk about um, the, the language that they use or what have you, like mm-hmm. some of the uh, alliteration that they used and what their frame of mind was during that time. That way they would be able to, you know, to share like, 20 years later like okay this is what what this meant and this is what that meant and one of the songs is called allure by, by jay-z and i will actually share this one on our next episode that's actually the one that i wanted to use for today but i was like uh that's not traditional enough let me go with this other one by you know by john alex and so i feel or pierre alex i feel challenged um just hearing this conversation that we had today and I'm going to switch it up and I'm going to use my Jay-Z poetry for the next episode. Well, you know, I told you I was going to do Robert Frost. (laughs) Yes. And I was just like, well, I'm not going to start with Robert Frost as my poet simply because I did think it was really important to highlight something that was a little more reflective of my current experience even though i can identify with particularly one stanza in that poem and that actually is probably one of my most favorite poems one of the ones that i can recite almost by heart without you know last without any help at all like we were talking about it the other day and i just literally started quoting the poem so i think that in whatever it is it just needs to mean something and i think that that's another thing that we have to think about when discussing arts is it what does it mean there's stuff that's just entertaining and there's stuff that's just there you know just to take as a form of escape but you know as i said earlier all the poems that i thought about over time i literally can pinpoint why that poem meant something to me outside of the fact of ooh it sounded good you know what i mean so i think that when you're just discussing art and expression, if it means something, then it means something, no matter what it is. And th- I think the the way that the arts have progressed now is you're starting to see the envelope pushed of what is 
a what is art? You know, what is music? What is sound, movement, expression, and the and feelings that it invokes? Um, even though that might not be something that you may or may not agree with, if it invokes a reaction, then is it art? And if that's the case, then it should be examined. Um, and so, you know, I just, I like to see the progression of things. And like I said, looking back on this, particularly this time, we're going to see a lot of things on record that generations to come can read, not only read about, but listen to and understand some of the ways that we were feeling at this time. I love it. I I will say that you should share your um your Robert Frost. Well, uh, if you do Jay Z next week, I'll break out Robert, good old Robert Frost, <laughs> and well, we can should. be at other ends of the spectrum. It's because it was either going to be that or like Pablo Neruda. Because as much as I'm progressive, I'm still. I'm still old fashioned at heart when it comes to a lot of things. So um, maybe I'll do that. We can have two opposite sides of the spectrum because I think that there's room for all of it, to be honest. Um, There is. um, When I was in fifth grade, um, one of the first poems that I like long poems that I memorized was when the frost is on the pumpkin by James Whitcomb Riley. And that poem has stuck with me. I can't, I can't recite most of it anymore. It's actually a really long poem. But when fall comes around, mm-hmm. I always think about that poem. It has stuck with me over the years. Like I have great memories of being in fifth grade and my teacher, I actually still in, am in contact with my fifth grade teacher. And anytime I hear certain key words out of this poem I think of him I think of fifth grade and like learning this and how we gave all we had and we're trying to make sure we had to do it and even with this we had to learn the punctuation and all of that um and how you say it and you know the breathing associated with it and so anytime I hear um like frost or pumpkin or uh, rooster or certain certain words out of this um poem I always think about James Whitcomb Riley's poem. So I think you should, because it's about the emotion behind what it means to you. It's not always about who it's written by. Right, right. And since you're talking about emotions, that's a great segue, because I know our listeners are probably thinking, why are we going on this whole tangent (laughs) about poetry and the arts? But... You know, we're in a very peculiar time. We've never really kind of passed this way before, not to be all churchy about it, but we just haven't been here as a nation, isolated, but still trying to be connected, you know, parents forced to be teachers and just a lot of sudden changes. And so in the spirit of self-care and mental wellness and things that we're doing to keep our attitudes positive. Um, Of course, there's the standard prayer and reading your Bible. That's like our spiritual foundation. So we're not dismissing that. But outside of that, you know, what are people doing to keep a good mental space, to keep a good head space? You know, CNN always has like, today we have 50,000 new cases. And one minute it's like, oh, Rona's going to be over and in a month. No, it might be three months. Today, I read something that said uh, the state of Maryland put out saying, oh, if if this doesn't calm down or something breaks out in the fall, they need to be prepared to do 
online school in the fall. So we're being constantly inundated with all this news of people dying, people getting sick, how the how the pandemic is progressing. There hasn't really been anything about an antidote or a vaccine or anything. So just that self-care and keeping yourself in a good mental space is really important. And so that's why we decided to take the time to talk about poetry, to talk about the arts, because that's one way that you can, one, write out how you are feeling. And two, it's another way to want pass the time or to keep yourself in a good headspace. And I said all that to say that we actually have coming up on these coming Saturdays, self-care Saturday, where we're going to actually be on Facebook Live talking with different mental health professionals and other professionals where we can keep some semblance of self-care, of wholeness and wellness while we're navigating through this quarantine. Because this is new for all of us. And there's no roadmap of, oh, this is how you transition your whole life, or, oh, this is how you transition from being extroverted to being stuck at home, or this is how you transition from being career woman to career woman and teacher. You know, there's no there's no manual for this. So we're just trying to do our part to put something different out there outside of all the news and all the hysteria and the uncertainty. I don't think I could have said that better myself, but I I really am looking forward to these self-care Saturdays. And then it's also an opportunity for our listeners to kind of see who who we are. Um, You're able to see us and uh, visualize us and not just have to listen to us. But um, before you close, I actually want to give a shout out to my mother and my sister, my mom and my sister Candace, because both of them have experienced birthdays during the coronavirus and I have not been able to see them or to hug them. Uh, we did family chats, but we weren't able to um, actually do anything for them. So this is my gift to you. Happy birthday, mom. Happy birthday, Candice. And I hope to see you before August. Happy birthday. Yeah, I've already uh, I've already decided that. Okay, Rona has pushed my birthday back. I'm shooting for like September through November. <laughs> I know that's right. (laughs) I've already switched gears. And the one thing I am thankful for is, is that historically I've not been good with sudden changes, but because of how my life has been the past year, couple years with sudden changes and things out of my control, the Lord has really given me a peace where something like this, like historically would have shot my anxiety through the roof that now I'm able to transition with life changes a whole lot better. And so I'm really thankful for that now that, okay, change happens. It is what it is. God is still with us. He'll bring us through the rest of this. It's just a day at a time, a moment at a time. And so I'm just really thankful for that. And that's what we're trying to do on these Saturdays. Just provide a moment where we can talk about something else (laughs) outside of COVID-19, Rona, shots people dying and social distancing and something else just anything else but that so yeah i'm just looking for forward to both of us you know getting through to both of our birthdays um, in the next couple of months because many did you know many have died um but the wine and said millions did not make it but, but i still... am the one who did <laughs> yeah and it's it's life is really 
it's it's just be thankful. We're here, and while we're here, God is with us, and that's it. That, God is with us. That's it. God is with us, and as long as He's with us, it's enough to get through the day. It's enough to make it tomorrow, and the next day, and the day after that. And that's just what it is. All right, y'all. Well, that's our episode for today, and look for us at 10 a.m. on our Facebook pages. You can find more information there, or 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 on our Instagram at Lipstick Coffee Jesus 19, Lipstick Coffee Jesus on Facebook. Good night. Good night.